Thank you for joining me on this week's Homeowners Be Aware podcast. Let's clear the air about something that might be a problem in your house. In this case, we might need to literally clear the air because there are a lot of homes that have issues with air quality. My guest today is Mike Feldstein. Mike's experience with fire, flood, mold restoration, and air quality consulting has led him to create air quality related products to help people breathe better, sleep better, and live better in their homes. I'm George Siegel, and this is Homeowners Be Aware, the podcast that teaches you everything you need to know about being a homeowner. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Hey, so most people, when they move into a house, they might know the air quality in the community. They see those warnings all the time. They might know if their CO2 detector goes off, but in terms of just overall air quality, a lot of people probably don't think about it, do they? They don't, not even a little bit. It's kind of like the human body is very good at adapting to our environment and the way that everybody can understand is if you ever go into someone's house that just kind of smells a little bit funny, whether it's a dog or a cleaning product or maybe a little musty or damp, Typically, with twenty or thir- within twenty or thirty minutes, you don't tend to smell it anymore. You get very used to whatever that odor may be, and that isn't just with smells. Our bodies and our senses are really good at doing that with all kinds of things. So typically, we can be in heavily contaminated air and not really notice it. An analogy I also like is what 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 water is to fish, air is to people, and I always wonder if fish often realize that they're in polluted water or not, or because they're immersed in the water, they have no clue. And I think it's quite the same for us. Yeah. And probably, you know, people, I guess a great example is when you make dinner and then you go out for a walk or something and you come back and you go, gosh, my house really smells. I mean, you just get used to it and you don't, the odor kind of just goes into the background. It sure does. So what are some of the dangerous things we need to worry about then? What are what are the things that are going on in my house that I don't know about besides smelling the bacon or whatever is cooking? What 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 do I need to be concerned about? Well, first, um, what the things that you can smell and taste and see is just sort of the tip of the surface. Most of the things when it comes to air, you can't see. Um you can't see, you can't smell, you can't really detect it at all. And when you smell, like when you talked about like smelling the bacon, um, what happens is um, those air particles, not just that we breathe them, but all of the porous materials in our house, like carpets, clothing, insulation, uh, couches, mattresses, all of those porous sur- surfaces that can absorb water also can absorb any of the particulates, VOCs or odors from the air. So uh, if it's passing through your home and there's porous, spongy materials that are organic, it is absorbing all of that particulate. Um, So it it depends. You kind of have two buckets of air problems, outdoor air and indoor air, Uh, indoor air pollution and outdoor air pollution. We always talk about pollution as if it's just an outside thing, but the outside air is what fills our indoor environments. And since around the 70s, when there was a huge push for energy efficient, energy efficient homes, net zero, passive, et cetera, we built our homes so tight to keep the cool in uh, in the summer, keep the warm in in the winter. And um, energy efficiency in a really tight seal is often at odds with fresh air and ventilation. Um, but to answer your question, the things that we should be thinking about, they depend a little bit on our region. So in a humid environment, like uh, coastal 
coastal towns often or places near the Great Lakes have a lot of humidity, which is more likely to have mold. Um, some regions used to be the West Coast. Now it's seemingly everywhere has to worry about wildfire smoke. Um, a lot of areas. I'm in Austin, Texas. Uh, Central Texas has horrible pollen and cedar. So there's a really a lot of allergens. A lot of people don't know that there's often more pollen in your home than outside because it comes in, but it can't get back out. And the other one is urban environments. So whether that's the the salt on the winter streets or the um, the the neighbor across the street who has a contractor there that's cutting two by fours or the barbecue outside, um, pollution, traffic, industrial manufacturing, etc. And then on the indoor side, we have cooking, of course, is a huge one. We have cleaning products. We have off-gassing from our furniture, from our beds. We have formaldehyde. So it can be a little bit intimidating, um, but broadly, it's most most things that we're creating, creating and consuming are have some pollution effect. Well, here's what I see as a challenge for people checking that is like when I move into a house or buy a house, there are so many things I'm hit with financially and the things I tend to fix or address first are the ones that you can visually see with the air quality, since you don't see it. When I've had builders or, or realtors say, well, you need to, ch you should check that, or somebody gives me advice to check it, I'm looking at what that costs and I'm going, gosh, I, I just don't, I don't smell anything. So how should I really be thinking about that? And then what would, what would a test involve doing? So I'm not always in favor of testing. And this is someone who's owned an air testing company for almost 10 years now, because a lot of the time, the, the data, is stuff that we kind of already knew it's like who moves into a house often people don't do a water test but they still get a brita or they still use the fridge filter or they notice all of their um their pipes and their dishes look white and their their showers calcifying so that they get a water softener because these all either become visual issues or because the cost to improve water like water quality awareness is probably 10 to 20 years I would say it was 20 years before COVID and it's probably close to about 10 years ahead of air now in a lot of the world, especially Asia, this is a well-known, well-documented issue. You would never in a lot of parts of Asia go into a restaurant or a clinic or a mall and not see air purifiers. They literally have air purifier stores in the malls there. So their air awareness is, is much more mature at this point. Um, so I often think a test is often a moot point, especially like you're going to spend 500 or a thousand or more depending where you go. And I often think it's actually just better for people to invest in the solutions themselves because often you put your budget into testing and like, no matter what, if you, there's no city water, the only city water I've ever seen that's excellent is Lake Tahoe. And I'm sure there's other places out there, uh, but generally city water, especially on a large scale, it's difficult to, to be efficient with water and kill all the bacteria that's going to make you sick and all the other things in there and not contaminate the water. And when it comes to air, we don't even have that filtration process at the government or the municipal level or anything. We just, we breathe it straight from the source. Um, so I, I, I think long-term we're going to start to see uh, a demand for better construction. When you're building a home from scratch, it doesn't cost a whole lot more to make a home that's pretty great at energy efficiency and also pretty great at environmental stuff like the water and the air and the dust and things like that. When you're retrofitting, everything costs a lot more in a retrofit setting. Um, and 
also people have to kind of weigh this against other costs. Like the home inspector comes into your home and is mostly triaging for things that are going to hurt your wallet, like the age of the furnace, a leaky roof, uh, you know, old poly B plumbing or old electrical um, HVAC upgrades, water heaters, things like that. There's very little part of the home inspection that is looking at the home from the perspective of this. Is this home actually healthy for the occupants? Whether that's the lighting, the air, the water, that's really not part of the way. And I got certified in home inspecting when I got into air a decade ago, just to see what the training was and the regulations and things like that. And I was surprised as an outsider coming into the space that it was kind of all financially driven as like, how much money are you going to have to pay in the next three to six months to get this home up to a standard? Uh, but there was no thought of like, is this home making me sick either acutely today? People always want to solve problems that are harming us today, but we don't usually want to solve those like low leaks and trickles that are going to harm us over the next several decades. Um, so that's kind of my long winded answer. No, that, that, that's a good answer. So if I was, I move into a house, it's a, we'll put a range 2,500 square feet to 4,000 square feet. Um, I have these um, air filters in each room, a unit that sits in the corner of each room, I'm trying to remember the name and it's too far out of my eyesight to be able to, to tell you what it is, but we have them in each room. What are you looking at to do to improve the air in your house? What kind of investment is that is the average for a, a homeowner? Yeah. And it's a really, it's an interesting scale that people have to prioritize. There's sort of like a scale of like, whether it's like wealth or budget or um, also like the, the health and wealth is kind of that intersection. So if someone has a lot of disposable income and values clean air and water, they may want to invest in all the best stuff. But also if someone doesn't have a lot of money, but maybe they have an asthmatic child or severe allergies or a cancer diagnosis, then it makes sense to shift that budget from maybe that paint job or that new comfy couch to investing in air and water. A saying that um, Dr. Pompa, who's a good detox uh, specialist, talks about is you can't detox your body if you don't detox your home. So if you're trying to take all these supplements and remedies and paying thousands of doctors uh, to, to detox yourself, but you're sleeping in a toxic environment, it's not really going to work too good. Um, so it also depends on the aesthetic, right? So you, you're going to pay for performance, but you're all going to pay for aesthetic and mitigating noise. So there are some air purifiers. Like you can make an air purifier for under $100 by buying a few box fans and sticking some big furnace filters on them that are fairly effective, like way more effective than most of the two and $300 air purifiers. However, they're very loud, they're very large, and they're very ugly. So if, if you live in a wildfire area and you're only using it sort of to combat wildfire smoke a few weeks per year, then someone may look at it kind of that way. But generally, for somebody to outfit their environment wholly, the big f sort of four pillars now that people look at are air, water, mold and emf is now really quickly emerging in a way that's really surprised me uh, how many of our customers and potential customers ask about emf is shocking now way more than energy efficiency or cost is is emf considerations um so from a water perspective you and then you know some people own their homes and some don't so that also changes if you're going to use um plug and play 
point of use solutions versus sort of whole home HVAC solutions. So on, on a water filtration level, typically I around that three to $10,000 budget, depending on the problems, if it's chlorine or if it's hard water, um, is kind of the water budget. The air budget, I typically see ERVs or HRVs can be in that three to $5,000 range installed. You can spend a little like on the lower range, but if you want a good one that has um, filtration in it as well, it could be in that three to $5,000 range. And then to outfit an entire home with high quality air purifiers can also be in that three to 5,000 range. Um, so you're talking your about, like, are you talking about one system that pulls air out of the entire house and, and works with it or the units that you put in each room individually? Good point. I didn't clarify that. So the ERV or HRV would traditionally be an HVAC style unit. And that's not designed to clean the air. That's designed to make sure that you have adequate fresh air and ventilation. Buildings are have fresh air intakes and ventilation systems and a lot of higher standards because they're more densely populated. The CO2 is higher because us humans, right? We consume oxygen and we breathe out CO2. Homes aren't really designed for a huge um, increase of indoor population. So sometimes it's a bathroom fan. It could be a quiet range hood, but just ensuring adequate ventilation. That's sort of more on the HVAC built into the home side. For air purification, I do not like air purifier in the HVAC. Um, your HVAC system wasn't designed for that. So when you go and add another filter, it creates a pressure drop, which now decreases your efficiency. It makes your, your system work way harder. It can't get the hot and the cold where it needs to go. And the filter is not even working when the furnace fan is not running. So there's a lot of things I, I so I, I like um, for filtering the air, something similar to your solution where you have a distributed system of portable air cleaners in the rooms that you need the most is the best way to approach the situation. Yeah, I would never want to tie into the air conditioning. I mean, what I found in almost every house I've ever bought is, first of all, the builder doesn't put enough return airs in. Rooms aren't balanced, right? You know, whatever engineer study they do it's a mystery to me. So I wouldn't want to put that faith in people that I don't have much faith in to begin with. So I like the idea of having individual units, but do those really do enough that they make a difference or are they more like I have one in, in, in all the rooms we spend the most time in, but are they doing anything? So that's a fun question. And honestly, if there was ever a, a piece of feedback I got at Jasper uh, that spoke the highest of our product was I've owned a lot of air purifiers before but I wasn't really sure if they were doing anything. And so this, but with Jasper, it was obvious that they were doing stuff. So the chances are they are doing stuff. Like most air purifiers use a pretty good filter. So one unit to another, the filters don't vary that much. Where they do vary is the quality of the sensor to detect um, the pollen, the wildfire smoke, cooking products, cleaning products. Um, that's a big deal. Um, the other thing that's a big deal is the size. So if you think about gears in a car, when you're in first gear, you could have really high RPMs, but you're not actually, you know, moving much. In fifth or sixth gear, the RPMs are lower and the car is going a lot faster. So if anyone's ever seen those big ass fans uh, in airports or in industrial settings, they look like they're moving so slow, but they're moving so much air. So what is important typically in portable air purifiers is a large fan and a large motor because a large fan means it can be quiet, 
and still move a lot of air. Um, but generally, they are doing a lot. If somebody has dust accumulating in their home, that's not normal. This is we, We've normalized it, but if you go outside, there's no dust on your driveway. There's no dust on the sidewalk. So then why, is, why is does a, that happen? I, I've got to ask you about that because we get a lot of dust in our house constantly. Like we run our Roomba every day and it's filled with dog hair and dust. These filters that we have around the house, we constantly have to clean the dust out of them. What causes that? Well, dust is an accumulation of many, many things. And it's not always the dust itself that's the problem, but it's all the things that can hit your ride on the dust, like the mold particles, the pollen particles, the dust mites, the bacteria, the viruses. So dust is an accumulation of, you know, dead skin cells and pet hair. When you look under, not all dust is necessarily equal. Um, it could be construction debris. It could be, it could be a lot of stuff. Um, now you shouldn't have any usually you'll have dust if there's a combination and pets are obviously large contributors so if you have non-optimal ventilation and air filtration uh, a bunch of things that people can do to handle it number one is uh, a vacuum that has a hepa filter because a lot of vacuums they suck up the large particles but then they're just exhausting all the small particles because the filter is not able to capture all of those part particulate so that's kind of a big piece. The other thing there is um, the ventilation for sure. Like that's why you don't have dust outside because we have adequate airflow. We have wind, we have UV. The world's best air purifier is nature. Uh, but we we unfortunately left that outside. <laughs> and um, so if, if, the, if the air purification is adequate, like typically surface cleaning, it's not going to reduce the dust. Uh, most people don't ever steam clean their carpets or their furniture. They don't clean the ducts in their home. And then like the, like the air filtration is often not adequate for the amount of dust in the home. So I became a big believer of air purifiers when I lived in a really dusty condo in Toronto in 2014. And I was waking up with puffy eyes and a sore throat. And there was, it was Toronto is just a crazy construction boom. There was condos going up all around us. And uh, I put a few air purifiers in our place. Small condo is like 850 square feet. So the benefit to a small place is the ability to control the environment. Um, so in that smaller environment, once we had uh, adequate air filtration, we had no more dust. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, controlling that air is is a big thing. I mean, we even get on the vents. You see dust on the the intakes where, where it gets up there. Um, so that's a constant battle, especially when you live in a climate like we do, where your windows aren't open except maybe a month or two out of the year because you have your air conditioning blasting all the time. Remind me, you told me right before we hit record where you Tampa, live, Florida, Tampa, Tampa. Florida, so, yeah. quite hot most of the time, uh, quite humid a lot of the time. Um, so if you know if that HVAC system is not doing its job and it's not conditioning the place, that's when mold can become an issue. Um, Mold wouldn't really be contributing to dust necessarily. Also, you typically do actually get dust in a drier climate. I'd be curious what the relative humidity is in your home um, because dryness also absolutely contributes to dust for a lot of reasons. One of them is also, you know, your skin gets all flaky, your hair can get all flaky. So a lot more dead skin cells are just floating around in a, in a dry environment. Okay, so let's... Uh... Let's try to come up with some good takeaways here then for people, action items that they can take to determine what they should be doing about the air quality in their house. What 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 do you say? All right. So um, it depends on if you're a tenant, for example, then obviously a lot of those 
I, I do think getting a reasonable air sensor is, is a decent idea. I personally, I use the aware element, A-W-A-I-R element. Um, don't find the support at the company all that good, but the product works really good. Um, so whatever, it's the best sensor that I've found. I think if there was, and, and I think people need to focus on sort of what we can control. If we spend our whole lives worrying about all the things that are killing us, it kind of sucks a lot of the fun out of living. So I, I like to focus on reasonable, practical solutions. Number one, I like to focus on the big, the big things are going to be cooking stuff. So I'll go touch on that in a second and where you sleep. And now that we work from home or even if we don't, if, if someone's an office worker, where you work is probably also really high because you know, uh, having a whole home filtration system is awesome, but table stakes is dialing in your bedroom. And if you think about it, like now has someone who like, if someone sleeps with really clean air in their bedroom and then you remove that air purifier, they have panic attacks. They cannot sleep without it. It's kind of like, I don't know when filtered water became so common, but you know, growing up, it was kind of just always tap water. And then I never really realized how tap water tasted all chemically until I started drinking filtered water. And now tap water, especially at a lot of restaurants, it tastes awful. So we we use our, our sense of taste in this uh, regard to identify potential risks and dangers. We also know through education, like pool water, probably not good. Ocean water, not drinkable. Pond water, not good. Even though the pond water, like I could get a cup of, you know, water in the pool. It looks clean. What do you mean it's not clean? It's like not clean at all. That water is filled with chemicals and all kinds of stuff. It's just designed to not make you sick when you swim in it today. But so our, our like societally, we have a certain amount of water education that the air is is lagging on. So when you sleep in a bedroom at night, our bodies are so good at detecting temperature. For whatever reason, that's like our, if this was like Maslow's hierarchy, temperature, like just oxygen to breathe is probably level one and temperature is probably level two. So if it's too hot or too cold, you're going to be very uncomfortable at night. Every, most people like to sleep a little bit cooler, but temperature is going to be number one. And let's say you get the temperature really dialed in, but the pillow and the bed is so uncomfortable. You're still not going to have a good sleep. If you have a great bed and good temperature, but you're on the second floor above a nightclub that's bumping the base every night, that noise pollution and that vibration you're still not going to have a good sleep. So when you think about like dialing in your, your sleep sanctuary, it's really like the weakest link is going to ruin your sleep. It needs to all be pretty good to have a quality sleep. And you can't have a good day if you don't have a good night. So I think like, and people already kind of know, like invest in a good bed for comfort. So it's like, if you're going to invest in a good bed and you're going to run your air conditioner through the night and you're going to wash your sheets every week or two or every few days or whatever your hygiene protocol is, you're cleaning that stuff because you don't want to sleep in a dirty environment. But we haven't society yet realized what we're breathing. So I think one of the cool things now is especially city folks, especially those who have had young children have discovered white noise. Um, and I'm like, why, why have a speaker create white noise when you can have an air cleaning machine and a fan create the white noise for yeah. you? So to me, table stakes is a good air purifier in your bedroom. Um, one, and I when I created Jasper, I honestly, there was times when I wasn't even going to launch the product. I just created the air purifier I really personally wanted for myself. 
that could handle toxic wildfire smoke, that could have no ambient light when I sleep, and could either operate silently or with white noise. That was sort of my table stakes. Um, so you want to have a pretty large air purifier in your room where you're getting at least five or six air changes per hour. Um, because if you have a really small, cheap air purifier, the problem is you're, you're likely going to have, um, if you run it, you're going to need to run it on full speed to be effective. If you run it on full speed, it's going to be loud and annoying. It's not a nice white noise sound on most of the units. And it's going to have these bright lights. And then it might have a little button that says sleep. However, when you push that sleep button, you turn the fan speed, it turns the light off and it turns the fan speed to 5%. So yeah. I like to joke that the only thing that you put to sleep was the air purifier. You bought this thing to, to, to operate in your bedroom at night when you spend time there and it doesn't work. So I think someone dialing in their, their humidity, their temperature and their CO2. Um, so if somebody puts an air sensor in their room, Another reason why I don't believe in most air testing is the air inspector comes by your house at two or three o'clock, waves the magic wand and leaves. But your air at 2 p.m. is not the same as your air at 2 a.m. So I believe in capturing the air on a, on a few a few days or even up to a week to see the different spikes. It's not it's not st static at all. So, is that what that um, air sensor does? Is that what the um, aware element does? Yeah. It, it are those expensive? It on a, are those, are those expensive? Uh, 200 ish, um, like affordable, but they do a good job. Like here's a, a snapshot from my daughter's room. So that's like live results. But then the really cool stuff is, is the trends. So um, I'll pull up like a, a weekly trend so we can see every night when she's sleeping, the CO2 spikes when she's breathing in there. Uh, so her not too high, uh, but generally her CO2 actually is, hitting about 1400 lately and that's because it's been very temperate here and the hvac system hasn't been working very much at night so co2 is a big one a, a secret tip that i discovered the hard way i was sleeping 10 hours a night waking up exhausted in british columbia a couple years ago our co2 was going from 700 to 3000 at night over 1000 is when you're starting to have some brain fog some fatigue lack of focus um all we had to do was leave the ensuite door open and the bathroom fan on all night because we don't mind white noise and the air purifier is running. That was a solution that kept CO2 under 900. So we didn't have to do any major investments, but we did have to leave the bathroom fan on so there would be enough ventilation and fresh air uh, to control our sleep environment. So do you have to have a different sensor for each room or can you just move it around? Well, generally, once you, uh, you so you can have a bunch. You could. But it's if we're kind of also balancing budget stuff here, it's not necessary because if you put one in your bedroom, you sleep there for a few days, figure out if this is a problem or not. And now, you know, if someone's tracking Fitbits and whoops and aura rings, like you're using data to see what's going on in your body, people are paying $40, $50 a month for these subscriptions, like to pay a fraction of that to figure out what's going on in your home. It just yeah. seems like a natural progression to me. Yeah. Um, seems like a no-brainer. I seen someone go from a 61 sleep score was their average sleep score up to a 91 when they put an air purifier in their bedroom. And it's not that the air purifier is this magic machine, but it can be because they had elevated mold spores. They didn't, they didn't have like visible physical black mold, but the mold load, the mold, there's aspergillus penicillin, the general mold load in their house was high. 
So by putting an air purifier in their bedroom, now they weren't breathing any more mold. And now that you're not breathing any more mold, they were able to sleep a lot more comfortably at night because their body was able to rest and recover instead of fighting off mold. Um, the average bedroom that I've tested for total particulate, um, it's, it's a hard to explain in layman's terms, but basically between 0.3 microns, very tiny, and 10 microns, kind of big, um, there's, there's typically about 800,000 particles in a bedroom. If you put a good size air purifier in a bedroom within half an hour, you're typically bringing that 800,000 down to about 40,000 or 20,000. So a 95% plus re reduction of things that you're breathing at night, which just lets your body recover so much easier. And um, people with bad allergies find that when they have less allergens in their bedroom at night, when they go outside, they're also, their body is a lot more, uh, prepared to handle outdoor allergens because they've reduced their indoor allergens. Would you leave those running all the time or would you just run them at night when you're sleeping? All the time for sure. Because that's when you're going to get that dust accumulation, right? Like you, you need to be, if, if, when I, when people go on vacation, I tell them to turn it up because the noise is no concern. It's pennies a day. These things don't take much energy at all. Even if so, they run all the time and they don't have a, they don't, they don't rest or, or, they have that sensor, but if I, if there's no off switch. So it just, it's okay to leave it running all the time. All the time. And would you vacuum the filter when it gets dirty or would you buy a new one? Cause they get dusty really quick. They shouldn't. So like, for example, there's a product called the air doctor and their big marketing campaign is they get all the influencers to hold up the filter showing how filthy it is within 30 days. This is a bug. This is not a feature. That is because the filter density and the pleats are very small. So it gets clogged up very quickly. So for example, a lot of filters weigh 0 0.3, 0 0.4 pounds. Like Jasper's filter weighs about four and a half pounds. So it's 10, 11 times the weight, the mass, the surface area is three to five times larger as well. So it's not clogging up very quickly. I do not like vacuuming filters. What I learned, like our filter has like um, a metal cage, like a metal mesh surrounding the filter to protect the rigidity and the structural integrity. Because what was happening is when we were developing our filter and we would send our filter to the lab to get tested, uh, often the filter was performing horribly. And we're like, what is going on here? And what happens is in shipping and handling, the filter can be damaged, not visible to the human eye, but just touching, vacuuming your filter destroys the pleats in the HEPA because you just vacuum off all the dust, you know, you clean the filter, but you have this very sensitive paper material. When you vacuum it, you're hurting it badly. You're, 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 you're pulling apart the fibers in the filter. So when you do that, the pores get larger. And now if you test the filter after vacuuming it, it's going to perform terribly. Yeah. But if you had to replace it every time it got dusty, since I told you we have a dust problem, that could get really expensive getting a 30 or 40 every six filter. months, every six months. But you just, so you would just let in the meantime, you would just let the dust build up on it. There's actually a period where, uh, of, there's a curve of efficiency and efficacy, um, efficiency being per pass. How much does this filter capture? And for the efficacy, it's how much air flow passes through the filter. So the interesting thing is, as it gets a little bit dirtier, it actually performs better because the, the pores in the filter are now blocked up. So there's less room for particles to pass through the filter. So there's actually a point like 
day one is not the most efficient day of the filter. It can often be between like month one or month two where the filter performs at its best. Then it kind of levels off and then the, the diminishing returns start kicking in. And I got to stop vacuuming those things. Well, listen, we're out of time. Is there anything you want to plug before we're done? Um, is there anything I want to plug? Yeah. Our air purifier is pretty awesome. Plug away. Um, it is. And it is expensive. It's $1,400. We occasionally discount it down to $9.99 or $10.99. The filters are $1.99 twice a year. So it's a $400 annual investment. That does include a lifetime warranty. So uh, is it expensive? Yes. But like, so is going to doctors. So is not sleeping good at night. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, when you break it down to a typically about a dollar a day over the course of several years to breathe 90% filtered clean air, where I used to think it was really expensive. Now I, I look at it as the laziest way to be healthy. And um, considering what, what one spends on a massage could be two, $300 water filtration, et cetera. I actually think getting less air filters, but higher quality air filters is, is often a good choice for people. Well, we'll put and the if link. you don't feel better, if you don't feel better, return it. So we have a 60 day, no, no questions asked return policy. If someone's not sleeping way better, they're not seeing the, the kitchen particles. If you don't this, like forget data lab studies, if one doesn't feel way better and it's not obvious that their experience is a no brainer, then get all your money back. Um, I'm happy to say in 3000 units sold, we've only had four returns. Um, and a couple of those were people who bought them during wildfire events where the, the smoke came and went. And they're like, honestly, I can't afford this. They didn't even take it out of their box. Um, so I, I think it's it's worth it if somebody actually if someone feels no benefit it costs too much money but if they sleep better if they're if their nose stops running if the asthma attacks stop occurring if the allergies stop happening then I think it's a, a great investment. All right. Well, hey, great advice. Um, good information. I'll put the link in the show notes so people can find All you. Right. And uh, appreciate your time, Mike. Thank you so much. I'll set up a uh, code. George, uh, what, what's a good coach for your folks? Should we do a George two hundred or the name of the podcast? Uh, do uh, homeowners be aware? All right, I'll, All I'll right. send you an email to confirm it so I spell it correctly. Okay, have thanks. a great day. Nice chatting with you, man. Make sure you check out Mike's contact information in the show notes. And if you have any stories about your experiences as a homeowner, good or bad, I would love to hear about them. There's a contact form in the show notes. Fill it out. You might end up being a guest on an upcoming episode. Thanks again for listening today. See you next time.